God, you're worthy of all of our praise. We just acknowledge that here, God, that you are good, that you are great. And Lord God, you are deserving of all of our praise, all of our worship. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, um, we humble ourselves before you, God. And just pray, God, that you would speak to us, um, enlighten us, show us more of who you are here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And I'd also like just to welcome you here uh, to Bridgen this morning, those online as well. I actually think Crossroads Church from Glen Innes are joining us online as well. Can we just give a clap to Crossroads? So good to have you join us as well. Um, we, we, before a period of just uh, guest speakers, have been in a series in Genesis. Uh, people remember that? You can remember the Genesis series? Yep. We looked at the first three chapters of Genesis. God in creation, God created the whole world. He created us in His image. And then chapter three, we saw the, the fall, the, the sin and the impact of sin uh, in our hearts and in our world. And we're continuing on in this series in Genesis as we open God's Word this morning. But now we're gonna move towards looking at some of the characters in Genesis. And as Peter said, just by chance, the way it's happened, we are looking at the story of Noah. And uh, it's a story, I, I imagine most of us are familiar. Uh, whether you've spent a lot of time in church or you're new to church, um, even people outside of the church, they're quite familiar with this story of Noah. And Noah and his ark, he built this ark, uh, a flood was coming, uh, all the animals uh, went onto the ark and were saved from the flood. And then of course, towards the end, this rainbow, uh, God's promise to never flood the world in such a way. Uh, most of us are familiar with that story. Uh, we might see pictures in kids' books. Uh, I don't know if we've got that photo up, we'll see if it works. But uh, if not, let me try and paint a picture. There we go. Uh, this might be in a kid's storybook or story Bible, the picture of the rainbow, the sun is shining, the, the animals are coming off the ark. But just for a moment, can I just get you to just imagine a worldwide flood? Imagine that the water's receding. I, I'm not sure it's gonna look like this, is it? it it's gonna be quite different, isn't it? And the story of Noah and the ark and the flood is one, while, you know, it's good in that sense for the kids, um, when we really think of all that happened in that flood, it is a quite a confronting story, isn't it? It's a confronting story. Um, I was reminded of this during the COVID period. I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine. Uh, he's not a believer, but we like to talk about faith at times. He's an extremely bright guy. He reads a lot. Um, and we were talking about God and various things and I began to speak about the love of God. And he said, Andrew, just stop. He said, you, you talk about the love of God and the, the character of God, but what about the flood? He said, how can that be from a loving God? Like how, how do you reconcile that? And not only with his statement, but probably the emotion that came with it, I, I was taken back and I had to just stop and think and shared with him in that time. But in these moments, when we look at the, the flood, there are actually stories in the Bible or even scriptures that might go, oh, hang on a second, how does that fit with the character of God? And um, there's a great illustration Travis shared um, last 
Sunday about reading the Bible and how we're to read the Bible, when we come up against uh, verses or stories like this, which, which we can't maybe, or we find difficult to reconcile. And that is, it's a little, reading the Bible can sometimes be like um, doing a crossword. Have you ever done a crossword and you get to that question, you've got no idea. It's just too hard to answer that question. You don't just go there and you just conclude something and just have your best guess. Well, most people don't, some might, I don't know. But you don't, you, you keep doing lots of other questions around that one and then as, as you answer those, light is shone on that original question that you found difficult. And similarly, as we read the Bible and you think, well, how does this reconcile with the character of God as we read the fullness of the Scriptures? As we answer other questions, looking at God's character throughout the Bible, it sheds light on this occasion. And I'm sure that's what we'll find here as we look at this story of of Noah and the ark and the flood, that we can see God's character. Why do we read God's Bible or the Word, God's Word? It's to know God, that the Bible gives us a picture of who God is. And as we read it, that's what we wanna do. We wanna know who, who is this God? It's, it's him revealing himself to us that we might know him and walk with him and relate to him. So as we open up this story uh, this morning, that's my prayer, that we would have a greater understanding of the character of God. Now, I'm not gonna read the, the four chapters fully, Um, of the story, but you know the general story. And as we go through it, I'll read certain um, passages that that I'll speak into. The first thing I wanted to start with is the state of humanity in Noah's day. The state of humanity. Let's have a look and, and just do your best to get an image of the culture and the people living in this day. In Genesis 6, 5 to 14, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face on, sorry, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people in earth, on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So this is the state of humanity Um, As I said in the previous series, we saw in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. They were removed from the garden. And then we see the impacts of sin play out. Uh, Adam's son Cain killed his brother Abel. Uh, Another descendant, Lamech, was also a murderer. 
But now we've had 1,600 years sort of in the days of Noah where this sinful nature in all its freedom is making its way in, in human hearts and is um, being lived out. And if we look at this one verse, just, just focus in on it. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human, human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It's starting to get a picture of, of humanity and the evil. We know evil in our own world, but you can imagine it's like untamed here. In verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. As I said, the, the human heart and the sinful nature, untamed, full of selfishness, depravity, rampant everywhere. People not able to trust or relate to one another, protecting one another, not even to, able to trust their own heart and their own evil inclinations. The only thing in common, just evil selfishness in this culture. What, what God had created for good, what God had created to have relationships with humanity, to, to have a world, um, a beautiful world with, with humanity in it, had deteriorated incredibly, hadn't it? You start to get that picture. When I saw this deterioration, or just imagining the deterioration, I was reminded of a basketball game I heard of recently. Back in, in, sorry, in 2004, um, two teams, the Indiana Pacers, this is the NBA in America, and the Detroit Pistons, played an NBA game in a, a stadium called The Palace and 22,000 fans gathered to watch this game of basketball. And people came to watch their skill and athleticism, the game of basketball, all good things. But what this game is known for, infamous for, is the most famous brawl in basketball history. It's commonly known as Malice in the Palace. With 45 seconds of the game left, after one of the players scored a goal, a basket, he pushes his opposition player and then he pushes back. And what soon happens is players gather around continually pushing one another and a fight erupts, including all of the players. It spills over to the side of the court and then before too long, people from the crowd are throwing bottles at the players. And one of these bottles hits a player and he just gets up, he races straight up the, the, uh, the, the stands in the stadium and then begins punching this person that threw the bottle. It just deteriorated, uncontrolled violence. So much so, police and security guards were coming in to try and control the situation. No order, no respect, rage, anger, lawlessness, and pain and hurt. And as we look at that picture, this is the, the picture that we get in Noah's day of humanity and how humanity was treating one another. It was full of evil. And this is the consequence or the fruit of sin. And we don't necessarily have to look all the way back to Noah's life, do we? We also see it in our day, don't we? There wouldn't be a life here today that is not impacted by sin. Ourselves, in the things that we may do towards others, 
or the things that have been done to us, sometimes unjustly, and they've, been, they've hurt us. This is within the human nature is this problem of sin and it hurts. It hurts relationships, it hurts people, it creates pain in our world. And in this, we see that God responds. Before we see God's response, I wanna just give us a little bit of a picture of God's heart. As I said, what we wanna do here is learn who God is and learn more about who He is. What is the heart that God has towards this situation? Because He sees it, He's not blind to it. He sees it and then what we find is that God is grieved by it, deeply grieved. Let's read in verse six, it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. In the new NLT it says, "Um, and it broke his heart. God's heart is broken as he watches on his creation, his his created humanity in his image and he's looking at what is happening, the, the damage of sin and he is grieved. So much so, look at this for a statement, so much so that that God would say that he regretted making human beings. What a massive statement. That God's heart was so broken in that sense. I'm a father myself and um, on Thursday, we went out to Sandgate in the afternoon and we began flying kites with my three young boys. And we were flying kites and it was windy and the exhilaration of it was so exciting for my boys. They, they were very easily excited. They were jumping up, they were so excited, smiles on their face, running down the beach. They loved it. And as a father, I looked on at that scene and I was filled with joy. I mean, you, you're watching that. They are loving life in that moment. And as a father, I feel that, don't I? You, you might have a similar experience. I feel that, the love for them. Similarly, when my children are not so nice to one another, it does happen. When they are physically violent towards one another, when their words hurt one another, as their father, I feel that. I am grieved by that. Our Father in heaven is a God who feels. Do you know that? He is a relational God. And as he sees the brokenness in our world, his heart response is one of grief. And I want everyone to know here this morning, as we live in this broken world, as you are hurt, as I am hurt, as we hurt one another, God is grieved. It doesn't escape his attention. He's aware of it. And as a loving heavenly father, or a loving earthly father is grieved, God is grieved. And if you feel that God is distant, if you ask even the question, where is God? Well, I wanna tell you, he is there and he is grieved by sin. Who would want a God that is not grieved by sin? Who would want a God that doesn't respond to the brokenness of the world? But what I wanna say is that it is a heart of grief, not of of vengeance and um, that he responds. He, He responds out of a broken heart. As we look at the way that God responds, we see that there is judgment and there is grace. 
As we look and we continue to read on in the story, uh, it speaks of, of the judgment that, that comes in this situation. In verse 17 and 18, in chapter six, it says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish a covenant with you. This is speaking to Noah. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. That there is judgment, like massive judgment. It's catastrophic, but there in the sense of it is a covenant of grace. God making a way. In Genesis 7, 4 to 5, seven days from now I'll send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I'll wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. And then again in um, chapter seven, every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. What do we learn here in this situation? Well, the first thing I would say is that sin has a consequence and that God takes the sin of this world seriously. When human hearts turn away from God and in this day they completely ignored God, had no reference to God, the, the, the result of that is a lot of pain that God grieves over. But there is a judgment that comes. But I wanna encourage us or, or help us to see here that it's not out of vengeance, it's out of a broken heart that he tries to restore the world. It's not without a plan of rescue. God, God had made a way in, with Noah and the ark, a way of rescue. And then it was also God being patient now, a small detail in here, but a very important detail was that it took 120 years for Noah to build this ark. So God has told him, he's believed everything that God has told him. He's been given the, the, the way to, to build this ark. He knows how to do that and he gets on with the job to build this big ark. And Noah does it immediately, he obeys, but it takes him 120 years to build this ark. And actually, later in the, the, the Bible, we, we hear that he is a preacher of righteousness. So what we can imagine as he builds this ark, his life story is speaking the message, isn't it? He, he's, he's building this ark and people are coming to him and saying, Noah, what are you doing? Noah, you're, you're more than 100 miles from the closest ocean. We have never, ever seen a flood in this world. It's never rained. And he's saying, no, I've heard from God. Judgment is coming, a flood is coming, and he continues to build. Now there was no social media in those days, but I tell you, if there was a story that was gonna go vile, it'd be that story. Word's gonna get around, huh? Have you heard of that guy, Noah? He's building this boat, look how big a boat, oh, a massive boat, one and a half football field size boat, really? How long's he been doing that? 120 years, that story is gonna get around town, I tell you. And in it, as people have become aware of that story, God, through Noah, is warning people. God is being patient, saying, 
You know, judgment is coming, turn back to God. That's what God's saying, that is God's heart, that people would turn back to Him and find life instead of the damage and the brokenness of sin. That is God's heart. But unfortunately, after 120 years, no one other than Noah's family were in this ark. There they were, safe and secure. It actually even says in, in the Bible that the door was shut by God himself. There they are in the ark before the flood came. But the door shuts and that is the time of judgment. And the floods come, the rains come. And Noah and his family secure in that ark. Jesus actually refers to this story in his earthly ministry here when Jesus was on earth. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man when Jesus also returns. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is saying that there is a time when he will come back. There will be a time of judgment for us all. This is just what the scriptures say, for all of us to stand before God. And he is saying, just in the days of Noah, there's nothing wrong with the things they were doing. They were marrying and giving in marriage, eating and drinking. What he's saying, they were just getting on with their life as if nothing was happening and then the judgment came. And he said, similarly, in our day, as we wait for the second coming of Jesus, before we may take our last breath, people will just be on about their life, just the normal things of life, unaware that judgment will come. And there's a warning for each one of us to be ready for that day of judgment. that we would find ourselves in the ark, in security, the security of Jesus. Who else is gonna deal with the sin and the brokenness of this world? Where else will we find forgiveness or rightness with God other than in Jesus? And I'm convinced that this, this Bible um, speaks to us, it is God speaking in and through me to all of us here today and those online, that there will become a day and it would be wrong of me not to say to you today, are you ready for that day? I'm not here to scare you. I'm, not here. I'm here just to speak what the Bible says. Are you ready for that day? Are you secure in Jesus? And I'll share it in a moment. There is the good news of Jesus. God always makes a way of grace that those who wanna to turn to him can find forgiveness and grace and life in him in this broken world. That we wouldn't harden our hearts against God, but we would turn to him. God creates a way of grace in the ark. But as we read on in the story, interestingly, we find that the human heart is not changed and Noah continues to sin. And so you have this situation where even now as God looks at the world and he is grieved by the sin, 
God is a holy God. And any, any righteous father, like if you imagine that um, basketball game, who would not intervene in violence and corruption and brokenness? There is a, a holy God who needs to bring a judgment upon that situation. But there is also a grief over that sin. What is he to do? How would God, how, how will God respond? You could see him, let's picture that basketball court. You could see him there as as maybe the father of one of the players there, seeing them get maybe hurt and beaten, and he is grieved because of the influence of sin and the brokenness of sin in this world. He is grieved by the hurt and pain that we all experience. But similarly, we can see him as the judiciary that had to meter out punishment for those players for acting the way they did. There was a judiciary that they all stood before and they all got handed down a punishment for their role in that fight. And you can see God in these two places, the character of God in these two places. So how does that align? How can these two things reconcile? Well, today I have the best news to ever tell you, and this is why I love God so much. It's because what did God do? God in Jesus came from heaven to earth into the brokenness of this world and took the penalty for that sin. Well, what's the penalty for the sin and brokenness of this world? The penalty in sin is death. That's what the scriptures say. That's what you see and experience in the story. It's death. It's separation from God. And so what did he do? So grieved by the brokenness of this world, he came. He came in Jesus to the earth, subjected himself to violence himself, was crucified on that cross to take the penalty for your sin and for my sin. How incredible is that? He did not just stand back and say, well, do your best. He did not just stand back and just bring judgment on a broken world. He entered in. He humbled himself. He died on a cross. It's the most extraordinary act of love you could ever imagine. Who would not want a God like that? Who would love you so much to give his life for you, that you would not have to die, that you would not have to pay the penalty of your sin, but you could have new life in Him. This is the good news of Jesus. He is incredible. He is amazing. In the story of Noah, we see one righteous man who was saved in the ark and all died. In the story of Jesus, we see one righteous man who died that all might live. One one righteous, holy God who would come and die on a cross that all of us would not have to die and pay the consequence of our sin. That is incredible. And this morning, God is wanting to give each one of us an invitation to the ark of Jesus. Will you enter into Jesus? Will you surrender your life to Jesus? Would you take up that offer to say you don't have to pay the penalty of your sin? Jesus has done it. And in Noah's day, all they needed to do was walk into that ark. For us, we turn to Jesus but it's a choice that everyone has to make. Many, all, 
in Noah's day walked away from that. But this morning, there's that invitation for us. And just as he, he had that promise that he would never um, bring the, the flood ever again with that, that promise of the rainbow, he has given us promises in his Bible that we can stand upon today. And I wanna read a few of them for us today. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness forgiven. What a promise that we can stand upon. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you too will be saved. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're in the ark of Jesus, if you're in him, the new creation has come. The old life, the old way is gone and the new is here, a new life that he gives us. All of this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ. How did God reconcile it? Through Jesus. How will God reconcile your life to his? Through Jesus Christ. This is what he has done. Jesus went through the waters of judgment that you might have new life. This is the invitation that he gives us all today. It is an incredible invitation. And this morning as we listen to this word, God's word to us, I believe there's a number of ways that we can respond to that. And firstly, I wanna say, if you've never ever made that choice to put your trust and your faith in Jesus, well, there's an invitation today. What does it cost you? You know, he's done it, he's paid the, the price. You don't need to pay the penalty of your sins. He has done that for you. It's a gift of grace. Your response is just coming to Jesus, saying, sorry for the way that you've lived your life. Forgive me, Jesus. And that's there for you today to take. And I wanna encourage you, if that's a step you wanna make, there's a Bible pack here where you can get to know more about God. You can come and pray with us, tell someone that you're here with today or maybe online you wanna tell someone that you've made that choice because we all have to make that choice of, about Jesus, what we, how we're gonna respond to Jesus. And in a moment, I just wanna lead in prayer and if that's you, you can pray that prayer with me and then please tell someone here or, or a friend that you wanna make that choice to follow Jesus and, and there's a, a Bible pack here we would love to give you. Secondly, as I was preparing this message, I was so aware just of the brokenness of our world and I just, just felt God just say, you know, in, in the brokenness of this world and the way that we've all been injured and damaged, I just feel God wants each of us to know that He is aware. He knows our pain. He, he's not distant, but he, he, He's aware, He comes and His heart is one of grief. And if there's things in your life now where you're hurting, there's pain, God knows, he's aware and he's close and he's calling you to come to him. If you need to forgive, he's there to help forgive. If you, if you need healing, he's there to heal. And there's a, just a call or an invitation to come near to his heart, for he cares. If he is willing to die for you, that's how much he loves you. He wants you to draw near to him. And then thirdly, I just wanna say for, for us to look at the life of Noah. What an incredible life. As Peter sort of alluded to in the dedication, Noah, 
He heard from God, he obeyed, and despite ridicule and opposition of everyone else going the other way, he stood tall. And he built an ark. I wanna say to us, church, we need to build an ark for this broken world. We need to orientate our life around this truth. If we believe this is the truth, let's orientate our life around it and live a life that reaches out and loves and cares for and shares a message of hope for those around us and continue to pray that God would help us share this message of hope within our community. And maybe this morning, you know, we just pray and say, well, God, here I am. Help me as Noah did to hold out this message of hope within my community. Help me to orientate my life, all that I am, around this reality that Jesus, you're coming back and a world needs to hear about you. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, in in that tension between the brokenness of this world and sin, I wanna thank you so much that Jesus, you came. I mean, if any of us could think of a solution, no one would come up with a solution so great. And we're talking about understanding your character and who you are. Well, there we get a pretty clear picture of how much you love us. The lengths that you're willing to go to, to know us, to save us and to rescue us. And Lord Jesus, now, um, just by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you just work in each one of our hearts as we respond to this truth. And if there's anyone here this morning, and if you have never put your trust and your faith in Jesus, well, I just wanna lead you in a prayer and you can just pray it right where you are, whether online or here. <clears throat> Jesus knows your heart, He sees your heart. And you're just saying to him, Jesus, I wanna accept that offer of forgiveness and new life in you. I'll follow you, Jesus. If you wanna do that, I just encourage you to pray just in your heart, even right now with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for my sin and my selfishness. Lord, I wanna receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you promised to to forgive all of my sin and all of my unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you offer new life. You offer a second chance, a new heart. Lord Jesus, I accept that offer right now. Jesus, I wanna follow you. In a broken world, I wanna follow you. Thank you for who you are. And for others this morning, if if the brokenness of this world and the damage and pain that we either cause ourselves or, or comes upon us, Lord, I wanna pray for each one that Lord Jesus, they would know you are close. By the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are healing God. Jesus, help us to forgive where we need to forgive. Jesus, bring healing where healing is needed. Lord, where you have seemed distant, I pray, God, that you would come close or you're always close, but help us to recognise just how close you are and just how much you love us. 
And Lord Jesus, we, we pray that You would help us be more and more like Noah. People who are righteous, people who are following You, people that You know as You speak, we will obey. And people that will, in a sense, build an ark for a world that needs to know there is a Saviour. Help us to love those around us. Help us to share the goodness of Jesus with those around us, Lord, that more and more can know locally and globally that there is a a Saviour in this world who has come to rescue this broken world. And so, Lord, thank You for who You are. Thank You that You are perfect in every way. Thank You, Jesus, that You are a Saviour. Thank You, Jesus, that You are worthy of all that we are. We worship You and honour you in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. We're gonna continue to worship and this song just speaks of Jesus being worthy of our worship. And so let's worship well and it speaks about Jesus being the way. Let's stand together and continue to worship this morning.
Jesus, I want to thank You that You are the foundation that we can live upon in this world. In a world that is broken, Lord God, You are a foundation of love, foundation of grace and mercy and truth that we can build our lives upon in a world that is sometimes shaky, a world that is sometimes painful. Lord Jesus, we find in You a strength that is beyond this world, that is full of grace, full of mercy, supernatural, Lord God. And Lord, I wanna pray that You would help us keep our eyes fixed on You. Help us to orientate our lives around who You are and Your plans in this world. Help us to build our life and use all of our life that people might know just how great You are, we pray. And we pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Please be seated. Um, if if you would like one of these Bible packs, there's plenty up here in the front row. Just come and grab one of those. If you would like prayer at all, we would love to pray for you. Uh, we've also got a welcomers lounge up there. If you're new to church, we'd love to get to know you. But otherwise, enjoy coffee in the courtyard. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.